1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find you.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Farfetch Fables. Welcome to show number thirty eight. This is our first episode of twenty fifteen. I hope you had a great start to your new year. To get things started, we open this week with a darker piece of flash fiction from Haley Lavick, Fool's Fire, followed by our main story, Justice, by Susan Harden. Let me introduce Miss Lavick. She writes fantasy novels and short fiction, most likely involving swords, things with teeth, and women who get shit done. She lives in rainy Vancouver, British Columbia. You can find her at www.hayleylavick.com. and she's also on Twitter. Fool's Fire is read for us today by Sarah Fredrickson. Ms. Fredrickson was born in Oregon in the United States and was raised in beautiful Minnesota. At a young age, she realized her passion for musical performance and creative arts. Sarah spent most of her childhood singing and acting, both on stage and off, and affecting various accents for fun. This is not the first story Sarah has read for the Triple F. Check out earlier episodes to hear more of her wonderful narrations. So, without further delay, here is Fool's Fire by Haley Labick, narrated by Sarah Fredrickson.
3: It's the cold mud that wakes me, and the taste of the duckweed in my throat, in my mouth, my nose, my ears... It fills my lungs, creeps behind my eyes. I burst through the slime with a half-formed scream. I retch until I feel empty, hollow, withered. Stagger to my feet, knee-high in the sticking black mire. The mud keeps oozing from my eyes. Fetid bog slime on my arms, my breasts... My mother's finest dress. Torn bodice, rent seams in starlight. Embroidered with weed, black mud and a putrid train behind me. But where is he? My darling. He said he'd meet me. Come for me by the hunter's moon. I stumbled through the viscous fluid, water thick and oily, from the bodies of fallen trees. Dead frogs, all rotting. Rotting in the mud with me. Branches clutch my arms, but I don't care. Let them tear my dress, my darling will not care. He will greet me with joy when I come to his arms. Said he'd meet me here before I woke in the mud. No moon groping at moss-slick trunks in the dark, trees coated with old man's beard like rotting bridal veils, glistening shelves of fungus. Mother used to say the wee folk met on those shelves for tea and biscuits, to gossip on the lives of mortals. I can hear them laughing now. Foolish little rich girl runs off in the night, wakes up screaming in the mud, buried in the mud. I can hear them. Shivering hiccups of sound echoing over the marsh, laughing, mocking. No. Singing. Yes, it is singing. A man singing, and he can't hide the tremor in his voice. Oh, my darling, I'm here. You've not lost me. I try to call out, but the mud burbles up again from the hollow pit of my stomach, oozing out my open throat, choking. A necklace of filth and blood like black diamonds to match my mother's dress. I stumble. My bare foot catches on something, and I plunge into the slime. The singing stops. I clutch at dead sticks, swamp cabbage, pulling myself up. No moon. My darling said he'd come for me by the hunter's moon, the blood moon. Did he come? Did he wait, not knowing I slept under the mud? My hand hits something, submerged in the water. I grab for it, sinking my fingers into the filth. Mother would be aghast if she saw me treat my nails so. If she knew I was here, never told her, stole her dress and crept out the back gate. The lamp is thick with slime when I pull it up. Caked with layers of residue, rusted hinges, but I still recognize it. The oil lamp. I run my nails over the glass. My darling always liked them long. My long nails, long claws, scraping glass. I must have dropped it. It won't burn now. Won't light my way home. He's whistling now and my head snaps about. I see him. Oh, my darling, look my way. Come to me. But he doesn't see me. I wave my arms, cry out, and burble frog slime out my throat. The old lamp clanks in my hand, dead. If only. No, wait. There it goes. A hollow flame like verdigris burns in the watery depths of the glass. A dim submarine radiance cast about the marsh. He sees my light. Come, my darling. Come to me. I raise the lamp, shine its murky light on my face. "'pallid breasts above the rent neckline, so he'll know me. "'He watches the light, his beautiful eyes enchanted with its eldritch fire. "'I cannot speak, throat parted like two pliant lips, "'so I bob the light to beckon him on. "'Come, come, let me show you where I lay. "'Come, let me show you why you could not find me. "'He stumbles, sinks into the water.' It swarms up to his chest, gurgles about his arms. The water swirls about my slender calves as I lead him on. He's lovely in the mossy light, his mouth slack and hair disheveled. But darling, your hair was never curly before. The lantern sways as I beckon him on. My darling, how I've missed you. I've been under the ground so long, asleep in the dark. The mud catches him, the mud that burbles from my throat, and he grasps for me, all flailing limbs and wild eyes. The dead space in my chest beats again with longing, Pete throbbing in the hollow beneath my breast. I bend to him, and the lantern dances in his face. But, oh, this face is not my darling's face. These hands that claw my ankles are not his hands. He thrashes, his mouth twists up as the mud sucks him down. Such a beautiful smile, just like my darling's smile. It must be his. I catch him, sink my claws into his arms so the mud will not take him. I embrace him, kiss him, the mouth I've longed for in the dark. I take my darling's smile, eat it, swallow it. It runs warm and soft into my stomach, filling the hollow pit with blood-hot kisses. The rest I let go, give to the mud, so kind to me, sheltering me until my darling's smile found me. When the rest of my darling comes to me, I will collect the pieces, hold them warm inside me until I have them all. My lantern dims, but I know its eldritch fire will dazzle my darling's eyes again. I will wake when he comes near, and I will lead him to me. And piece by piece, I will make him whole again.
2: Now there was a dark little fantasy story to get us going. Our main fiction is of a slightly lighter mood if you consider murderous demons and the hunt for justice to be light. Let me present Susan Harden's justice. Susan grew up on a working farm in the Ohio Amish country, although she's not Amish. Mucking out pig stalls apparently gives a girl lots of time to make up stories. She currently lives in southeastern Texas with a husband who believes writing is a practical career option, a kid who thinks she's too enamored with zombies, and a beagle who wants his belly scratched. You can find her online at www.susanharden.com. Reading justice for us this week is Deanna Sanchez. She is a voiceover talent and actress, performing professionally for 14 years. She has voiced various commercials, industrials, and characters, and specializes in that sexy voice of a powerful female role. An avid fan of science fiction, since her grandfather gave her a copy of Heinlein's Tunnel in the Sky when she was nine, she feels greatly privileged to help bring this story to life. While pursuing a voice talent and acting career, Deanna also consults in geographic information systems and develops custom mapping applications for real estate and other industries. Her background in IT management does not prevent her from owning multiple old computers, some with Windows 98 still running. Three-dimensional visualization of spatial data is a favorite pastime, and she's spent many hours translating real-earth elevation data into unique 3D worlds. Deanna's voiceover demo can be heard at the Lambert Studios website, an outstanding full-service recording studio. And now, Justice, by Susan Hardin, as read by Deanna Sanchez.
4: The tinkling bells that lined her cloak announced the girl's presence as I ate my breakfast. Justice Anthea, may I speak with you privately? Most oranins were incredibly noisy, but the crowd here grew even more boisterous. It wasn't often a priestess of love addressed a priestess of balance in a public business. Not that I could tell if her cloak was the appropriate red silk, at least not the way most people saw the color. But the clientele went out of their way to speak loudly and ignore us. The dry musk of pigs underlaid her expensive perfume. I spooned the last bit of eggs into my mouth, "'Even if her odor hadn't given her away, "'she didn't bother to sit or give her name as an equal should. "'Maybe she was too cocky about her deception, "'or she was too frightened. "'After dabbing the corners of my mouth, I smiled. "'I couldn't see her face with the heavy veil she wore, "'but I delayed long enough to detect her bare hands "'shift from dark gold to bright orange "'as they heated with her nervousness. "'I should have waited for Luke to return from the bathhouse,' "'but curiosity got the better of me. "'Of course, sister. "'I held out my own hand, "'which she took and assisted me in rising from the bench, "'just as anyone with decency, or the appearance of such, "'would help a blind woman to her lodging. "'We carefully climbed the steps to the room Luke and I rented for the week, "'her to demonstrate her solicitude to the crowd in the common area, "'me to maintain the illusion of my sightlessness.' Once we gained the second floor and I released my hold on the banister, my free hand slipped into the folds of my robes and grasped the handle of my dagger. I led the way into the sleeping chamber. Justice, I have... To anyone else, my actions flowed so fast they would have seen magic. With a swift kick, I shut the door. Before it slammed, I shoved the girl against the cheap plaster that covered the walls, my left forearm pressed against her throat. The tip of my dagger flipped up her veil before the point settled at the fragile join of her ear and jaw. I didn't need her sharp gasp to know my hood had fallen back with the speed of my movements. Goddess, what are you? The tremor in her voice matched the rapid throb of her artery under my blade. Everyone expected the milky-white orbs of the sightless, like the rest of my order. Only Luke ever had the courage to tell me that no human's eyes were the color of blood. A better question is why a pig herder thought she could pass for a priestess of love. Please forgive me, Justice. I didn't know how else to seek your help without the entire town. Her sob could have been faked. You know the penalty for impersonating a priest or priestess of the twelve, I ground out. Who did you steal the robes from? I didn't take them. They were my mother's. I jerked away from the girl. I knew better than to release a potential threat. Thirty years of blasted training. But her mother hadn't sold her, the way my mother had sold me at the tender age of three winters. The hiss of steel and leather whispered on the other side of the door. No doubt the inn's patrons had enjoyed telling the story to Luke when he returned from his errand. I touched his mind and warned him of our guest. He sheathed his sword and slipped inside our room. "'Maybe you'd better start at the beginning, child.' "'The rumble of his voice at my back reassured me. "'The girl edged around me. "'My lord, I... I need your help. "'My betrothed had been kidnapped.' (laughs) "'Wonderful. A cock-and-bull story. "'Why haven't you gone to the magistrate's office?' "'Her hair rustled as she looked at me, then back at Luke. "'His own parents did the deed, lord, lady.' He is Marco de Mara. A bitter laugh erupted from my throat. A pig herder promised to the scion of one of the richest families in all of the land of Isra. You really expect us to believe that load of... Luke cut me off. You understand I will truth bind you? Yes, my lord. It was the first time I heard confidence in the girl's voice. In less than three heartbeats, Luke had muttered the words of his spell. "'Brilliant oranges, reds, and yellows of active magic surrounded the girl. "'She sat on the edge of our bed. "'The slide of skin over skin as she rubbed her hands set my nerves on edge. "'I am Katerina de Love. "'My mother kept me after my birth eighteen winters ago, "'and I served as her handmaid until her death from the wasting sickness last summer. "'I have no great magics, nor did I wish to stay at the temple.' My small talent is in the care of animals. I am, her voice faltered as the spell prodded her, was, apprenticed with Jovis, the city's veterinarian. I met Marco last fall. His horse had broken a leg in a hunting accident, and I healed the poor creature. Luke whistled, a high surprise sound. My estimation of the girl tilted. A true healer had more than a little talent. Katerina didn't seem to notice our reactions. He courted me. I told him I had no dowry than the death gift from my mother, but he said it didn't matter, that he loved me no matter the difference between our stations. I was to meet him at the Wilding God's clearing two nights ago. He wasn't there, but Mistress Demara was. She said that I would pay for seducing her son, that she and her husband would ensure I never saw him again. Then... If by happenstance we did meet, he would not know me. Yesterday morning, Master Jovis released me from my contract. He said I could sleep in the pig barn last night, but it would be best for both of us if I left the city. Katerina's voice turned hard. The Damaris owned the magistrate. He would not help if I had gone to him. Brother Cam sent me to you. Disguised as a priestess? No. That was my idea. Once her story finished spilling, Katerina sucked in her wretched breath and began sobbing in earnest. I questioned her for nearly half of a candle mark, but her story did not alter one whit, nor could she give us more details. I sat down next to the girl, her sobs now reduced to hiccups. She not so subtly scooted away. I couldn't falter. The reaction to me, to my eyes... "'was due to my own foolishness. "'There may not be anything we can do,' I said. "'It may be as simple as Marco's parents "'threatening to disown him "'if he continues with his plans to marry you, "'and he buckled to their wishes. "'But Marco isn't like that.' "'We'll look into it. "'That is all I can promise.' "'I reached into a pocket of my robes "'and produced two gold pieces. "'Go to Nastine. "'That's the next stop on my circuit. "'Tell the adherents at the Temple of Balance "'I sent you and wait for me. "'Nothing more. "'I'll be there next week with my findings.' "'She bobbed her head. "'It is more than I expected. "'After a moment's hesitation, she whispered, "'About my own transgression, Justice. "'I discover you've impersonated a priestess again "'and I'll behead you myself. "'Yes, Justice.' The acknowledgement was my only thanks. Luke received a hug from her before she fled through the sleeping room's door. He sealed the door behind the girl and cast a privacy spell. Warmth filled me. I knew where his actions led. Well, he unlaced the ties of my formal cloak. I sighed as he eased the material from my shoulders. The girl's only telling the truth as she knows it. She's low on facts and high on conjecture. A veterinarian is not going to release a true healer from her contract without cause or some damn good incentive. He pressed a tiny kiss along my neckline with each word, stroked the scars along my back. So you believe it bears investigation? He chuckled against my skin. I know you. You would have her stripped and flogged for the impersonation if you suspected her story false. And since you've already pardoned one transgression this morning... I sighed as he unwound my breastband. Whatever happened to the days when our vocations fought demons and otherworldly menaces instead of dealing with jilted lovers? Maybe the goddess is trying to teach you patience with boring cases. I slapped at his hands. Luke, we have to be at court by third morning. My protest was token, and we both knew it. It is only second hour. We have plenty of time. As if he cued them, the city bells rang. I sighed and let him press me to the bed covers. The port city of Orin was far too big not to have its own temple adjudicator. After the elderly resident justice had passed in the spring, the reverend mother assigned Orin to my circuit. I couldn't say she ignored my entities or those of Cam, the old priest at the Temple of Light across the city's main thoroughfare she always sent us both polite replies that she searched for the right candidate for the position. Even though I spent a week out of every month in Oran, I wasn't insane enough to take up residence in the temple facilities. The minute I did, the old hen would permanently assign me the position, and Luke and I would be parted forever. Besides, this city held too many bitter memories. Per my usual, I heard the capital cases first that morning— "'I only had to execute one man. "'When I returned from the back courtyard "'after his beheading, "'I slipped my sword through the clasped hands "'of the goddess's statue behind my chair. "'Odd how a bloody blade "'in the grip of a basalt figure "'subdued the crowd and kept order. "'By the end of the afternoon, "'my grim humor had evaporated, "'and I wondered if I could die of boredom. "'The accused turned into a giant parade "'of disorderly conduct charges.' That first evening I called a halt to the proceedings. The resident clerk approached me as the main hall cleared. There's only a day and a half of civil cases left, Milady. From her high voice and jovial attitude, she was still quite young. I snorted. And by morning there will be another pile of criminal cases because some fleet arrived today and all the crews decided to drink their pay. She shrugged. Sailors, Milady. Luke approached and handed me my clean sword. Ready for evening meal? Bless him. The blade slid into my back scabbard with a satisfying snick. I had changed my clothes at the midday break, not that bloodstains were obvious in my traditional robes, or so everyone said. Even cold and dried, the spots left a slight temperature variation from the cloth. To me, they stood as mute badges to my position. Good evening, Tide. I nodded to the clerk before Luke wrapped my arm around his. As we stepped outside, I welcomed the cool air after the stuffiness of court. The business district's administrative offices and most of the temples were quiet for the night. Only the Temple of Love, three cross streets down, was brightly lit. The raucous laughter of men and the lighter giggling of the priestesses spilled from its front courtyard. I paused taking in the glow of oil lamps and torches. Then there were the sounds, noises all too similar to the ones I made when Luke lay with me. Sentimental justice? he whispered in my ear. No, I'm thankful my mother sold me every time I passed one of those places. She really had done me a favor, though it felt like a wretched abandonment to the child I had been but considering I couldn't keep my own vow of chastity to balance. I tugged on his arm, and we started across the street. Come, I'm hungry. I left the rest of my feelings unsaid. It was too dangerous to speak the words aloud on an open street. Dinner with Brother Cam was always a pleasant affair, but tonight his jocularity seemed forced. After telling a particularly obscene story concerning a former mayor, two milkmaids, and a cow, he exhaled and sipped his wine. He toyed with the stem for a long moment before he said, "'I wish you would reconsider accepting the temple seat here in Oran, Anthea.' I felt Luke's attention on me, and I nodded my agreement. He rose and circled the room. Brother Cam said nothing as Luke warded the room against anyone overhearing his conversation. Does this have anything to do with the Demara family? I asked. Brother Cam's face blazed red. He reached for the wine pitcher and refilled his goblet. According to the city's gossipmongers, Lord and Lady Demara have been petitioning a match with one of the Queen's granddaughters for their son Marco. Needless to say, their attempts have been politely, but firmly, rebuffed. He took a deep swallow of wine before continuing. Three days ago, Marco came to me for advice on a young apprentice he was enamored with. Even though I told him to forget about her, he was quite insistent. He loved her. A self-deprecating chuckle echoed from Cam's chest. I asked him why he didn't seek the guidance of the priestesses down the street. He told me he needed straight answers, not flowery speech. And I prompted. Brother Cam looked at me squarely. "'one of the few who knew the truth about me "'and was unafraid to gaze upon my failed attempt at sight. "'I told him if he was serious, "'he would collect any money he could lay his hands on "'and flee with his paramour to Kent. "'Lady DeMiro would never countenance a match "'between any of her children and a mere animal healer, "'much less a bastard child of the spring rituals. "'He took another swallow of wine. "'Yesterday, the veterinarian Jovis came to me. "'It was before noon.' "'and the man was more intoxicated than adherents of the mother at a harvest. "'The man never drinks because he never knows when he might be summoned.' "'He slammed his hand against the surface of the table. "'What did he tell you?' Luke said. "'Nothing.' Cam waved his hand in the air. "'He couldn't tell me a blessed thing. "'He was under some kind of compulsion I could not break.' "'He stared at the tapestry of light decorating the far wall. "'He tried.' "'God help him, he tried to tell me, "'but I found a secondary spell designed to kill him "'if he managed to defeat the primary compulsion. "'This morning, Marco's paramour showed up on my doorstep. "'Luke relayed our own encounter with Katerina. "'Cam grunted and poured another goblet of wine. "'My palms formed a blade, "'and I rested my chin against my fingertips. "'This doesn't make sense. "'Why go to such lengths to stop Marco?' Oh, the story gets better. Anger coated Cam's words. Shortly after I sent Katerina to speak to you, Lord Damara arrived, claiming Marco wishes to take temple vows. He's of age, is he not? Luke said. Yes, Cam shook his head. I cannot refuse an honest supplicant, but... Luke's own rage flicked at the back of my mind. Katerina's story fell into place. The Demaras had set a very neat trap for their son. None of the temples would condone a memory block of this type, not even those of the god of thieves. Only a second-rate sorcerer would agree to such a perversity, therefore the spell would eventually fail. By the time poor Marco realized what had happened to him, he would be sworn to the god. And only the temples of light and balance required their priests and priestesses to remain chaste coldness swept through me though i wasn't sure if it was concern for the young lovers or mine and luke's own violation of our vows do you have the list of non-temple affiliated talents for orin cam pulled a scroll from his robes and handed it to luke who read off the names part of me was pleased Katerina had done the smart thing and registered the rest of the practitioners listed bore some thought They ranged from a minor prince with limited talent and no hope for the throne to several bastards from the other temples. I stood. Thank you for your hospitality, Brother Cam, but it is getting late. Thank you for listening to my nonsense. Relief danced along the old man's words. If I can be of assistance. I squeezed his hand. You've been more than enough help. Brother Luke? We paused at Cam's querulous tone. Yes? I'm grateful for your assistance, but my old bones cannot perform this office much longer. If Justice Anthea decides to settle in Orin, may I present your name to the Reverend Father as my replacement? Luke tilted his head. I would be honored, brother. Luke paced our room at the end. Every curse word in the records poured from his mouth. I sat cross-legged on the bed and rubbed my temples at the growing headache. His tirade was difficult to shut out, made meditation impossible. Any hope that your tantrum will end soon? He paused in mid-step. It's one thing when your parents sell you to the temples, but this is illegal. I'm not disagreeing with you, but we need to find Marco before the memory block is performed. The Damaris have had to rush, haven't thought out their plan thoroughly. "'And why punish Marco instead of quietly killing Katerina? "'This type of revenge is too personal. "'A way to keep the other Damara children in line? "'Make them work harder at seducing a member of the royal family? "'Maybe. Read the names to me again.' "'The parchment rustled, a counterpoint to Luke's bass "'as he repeated each name on the list. "'He tossed the scroll on the bed. "'It's too many. We don't have time to check out each one.' We can try a tracking spell on Marco. I pressed my hands together and rested my elbows on my crossed knees. If this unknown sorcerer has a lick of common sense and any real power, he is shielding both his presence and Marco's. If we try to track either of them, it will alert our unknown idiot that we're looking. And if he can't perform the memory block in time, he may decide slitting Marco's throat and fleeing is his best option for survival. The Wilding God's clearing, Lady Demara. I smiled. That was my thought. The bells
2: rang. Thir-
0: you have an Airbnb.
3: Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at
0: airbnb.com host.
4: At night while we crossed the city, black trousers and long-sleeved tunics allowed us to blend with the shadows. As for evading the night watch and accessing one of the city gates, three generations of peacetime in Ishra made the men and women a little too complacent. Besides... They never expect anyone to leave the city this late. Luke and I jogged to the clearing. While the Lord of Wild Things had an altar within every city, a copse outside the walls was always set aside for him. Luke stumbled twice on roots. For me, the blue trees and their yellow canopies were as bright as daytime. Sometimes I suspected he teased me when he claimed the trunks were brown and the leaves green to him. However, I had no doubts that nighttime for him was like the dark to which I was born. Here, he asked when we reached the clearing. I looked up at the bright red owl perched on the branch above us. (laughs) Only if you want droppings down your collar. Luke grunted and followed while I found an appropriate spot. I sat cross legged, my hands on my knees, and concentrated. The matrons of my order say that in the beginning the universe was perfectly balanced and that, in the end, perfect balance will be achieved again. Translated, their teachings meant we could see the past and sometimes even the future. What we needed was two nights ago, Katerina's meeting with Lady Demara. Cold filled the glade as I plucked the strings of time. Luminous eyes and hot bodies surrounded us, This was not my goddess's place, and the wild creatures watched. Luke circled the glade, asking for the wilding god's indulgence, while I rewound the last two sunsets. Ghostly figures, both human and animal, entered and left the holy circle, all of them walking, hopping, crawling backwards. I would have laughed if a young man's life and soul weren't at stake. There, Luke said, hold there. I saw nothing but shadows. However, he moved quickly, marking the spot with his own magic. I have her trail. At this affirmation, I let the threads of the past slip, and the world snapped back to the correct moment. We thanked Lord Wilding for his indulgence, and his children skittered and leapt back through the yellow foliage from whence they came the soft orange glow of Luke's spell disappeared down a different path than the one directly from the city. We followed it a short distance before it hit the National Road, the main route through the land, the same road we had arrived on only yesterday. The tracking spell threaded north towards the capital and south toward the rest of the port cities along the coast. Luke cursed and kicked a cobblestone. I knew his words before he said them. We shouldn't split up. "'I set my fists on my hips. "'Do you seriously believe each of us alone cannot handle our culprit, "'much less a petty, pampered aristocrat?' "'He made a low sound of displeasure deep in his chest. "'A candle mark. No more. We meet back here in two. "'Fine,' I agreed before I pivoted and ran south. "'Near the end of the agreed candle mark, "'I despaired of finding the point of Lady Demara's journey.' "'Marco had to be relatively close "'in order to present him to Cam on the morrow. "'I jogged around a bend in the road "'when the orange trail made a sharp right turn. "'The driveway would be nearly hidden "'by the foliage from most human sights, "'as well my own, if not for Luke's spell. "'I picked my way through the brush "'to the side of the drive, "'but kept an eye on the trail. "'Through a break in the trees, "'a dark purple monolith rose from the bluffs. "'A manor house from its outline— Yet I encountered no guards The gardens and yard were unkempt and overgrown Since the Damaras prided themselves on appearances This could not possibly be one of their holdings Or had I totally misread the situation Above me, leaves rustled I glanced up, half expecting a night predator Instead of the warm glow of a living creature Something cold black perched on the limb Something I'd never seen before I stepped away from the tree. More of these creatures gathered in the surrounding branches. Automatically, my hand reached for my sword hilt. The rasp of pulling the reinforced steel normally reassured me, but there was something wrong with these things. Crickets stopped chirping. The rustling mice paused as they scavenged for seeds. The night itself seemed to hold its breath. I swung as the first creature leapt, My sword connected, but the blow felt like nothing I'd experienced before. As if I'd struck stone, only to have the creature melt after jarring my arm. Its fellows followed, and I found myself buried under a multitude of frigid bodies. When a fist struck my temple, it remained stone. I couldn't stop my fall into a different kind of blackness. Strange muttering infiltrated my aching head, I tried to raise my hand, only to find it fettered by cuffs linked to heavy chains. Oh, good, you're awake. The clap of pleasure sounded as a loud crack of thunder directly overhead. Very carefully, I pushed myself upright. Nausea threatened, but I couldn't afford to give in to my head injury. Taking stock, I found I had been left only with my trousers, tunic, and undergarments. Matching shackles encircled my bare ankles. Soft lavender light emanated from the walls, the same kind I'd seen on damp stones in caves. A man crouched before me, but my attention was drawn by one of the cold shadow creatures perched on a bookcase. Suspicion of what it may be gnawed on my gut. The man unshielded a candle. The flare of white-hot light drove a spike of agony through my head, and I ducked my eyes against my shoulder." You react to light the same as a normal person. What are you, my dear? The tug to answer his question frightened me more than his shadow pets. He was definitely not as much a fool as I thought if he'd laid a truth spell on me while I was unconscious. A human? To my relief, my answer did not result in a cascade of pain. He had the talent and knowledge to cast such a spell, but he hadn't been trained in logic or questioning. His chuckle sounded like one of an elderly uncle indulging his favorite niece. (laughs) I mean, how did you get your unusual red eyes? I gave them to myself. Why? I couldn't wiggle out of this answer. A bitter laugh poured from my lips. It was my poor attempt nearly twenty winters ago to restore my sight so I would be released from the Temple of Balance. "'I received ten lashes for the temerity "'to circumvent the goddess's will. "'His face turned from pale orange to crimson. "'All joviality fled him. "'Who are you? "'What is your name? "'Your rank? "'Again, the pull on my soul to spill my secrets. "'If I resisted, he'd know I was hiding something, "'assuming the spell didn't kill me. "'Maybe he'd think twice about his actions with the truth. "'My chin lifted.' Justice Anthea, the circuit judge assigned to Orin until the Reverend Mother of Balance names a permanent justice. The man jumped to his feet. He must be younger than my original estimation. From the bookcase, an odd, guttural noise came from the creature. No, you can't eat her, the man snapped. Be silent. I need to think. Is that a demon? I wanted my captor to say it wasn't goddess, I take back this morning's jest with all my heart and soul. He ignored both us, set the candle holder on a table, and started to pace the workroom. Or dungeon, I decided. It was a good six strides long and an equal number in width. Deep blue chains hung at regular intervals along the wall to which I was shackled. I tried to call for Luke, but my mental shout bounced off the shielding spell. It only added to the ache in my head. The demon, for surely that is what it was, growled. Since he'd already decided he wanted to eat me, I took his warning under due consideration. Interesting that I didn't recognize it, but the descriptions of demons were based on normal human sight. I needed to add my observations about complete lack of body heat to the temple's chronicles. If I survived the night, that was. From the occasional word I picked out from my captor's muttering, "'He had schemed as far ahead as Lord and Lady DeMara, "'which is to say, barely at all. "'Might I make a suggestion?' "'He halted, and from the odd feeling on the back of my neck, "'he glared at me. "'What?' "'You were planning to block Marco De Mara's memory. "'If you haven't yet, you should cast a spell on us both. "'Why would I do that?' "'I was correct in my original assessment that he was an idiot.' However, it didn't make him any less dangerous, and I needed to buy time for Luke to find us. I sighed. If neither Marco or I remember you, you cannot be charged with kidnapping or holding us prisoner. We both live, and you still get your payment from Lady Demara. I already received my payment in advance. I am not stupid. I sent a silent prayer of thanks to the goddess that he didn't phrase his words in the form of a question, And you won't be hunted like a dog for murdering a priestess, I pointed out. He turned to the demon. Bring the youth in here and do not eat him. The demon jumped down from the bookcase. Instead of exiting the room properly, it seemed to dissolve before it slid through the crack between the door and the frame. Interesting. Hopefully the creature would take the time to open the door when it returned with Marco, or my efforts to keep the boy alive would be for nothing. "'What is your name, sir?' Uh "'Uh-uh.' "'My mysterious sorcerer waggled his index finger. "'I'm not falling for that.' "'I gave him a smile, as polite of one as I could muster. "'I would need your true name to cause any mischief,' I shrugged, "'and became painfully aware of a huge bruise on my shoulder. "'However, I didn't let the smile waver. "'Besides, I won't remember the name you give me, anyway.' Who knows you are here? My smile fell. Only you and your demons, I said. Thank the goddess he couldn't properly ask a question. All you have to do is leave me on the national road with the gear I came with and you'll be perfectly safe. He made a derisive sound. If you are a circuit justice, where is your partner priest of light? I clenched my jaw. The pain started in my belly, similar to eating the obscenely hot peppers of the arid regions of Kent. It quickly escalated to what I suspected a glowing poker shoved through my gut would feel like. I fell to my side. My body curled into a ball. Heading north on the road, tracking Lady Demara, I gasped. Stupid, stupid Bitch! "'It took a moment for his meaning to penetrate the dissipating haze of pain "'while he shouted for his demons. "'He referred to the noblewoman, not me. "'I pushed myself back to a sitting position. "'If only he'd leave the dungeon, "'I could pull out one of my remaining hairpins "'and pick the goddess' forsaken locks. "'Instead, the door swung open with such force, "'it crashed into the stone wall. Two of the demons dragged in a struggling man.' "'I was sure the third demon behind them "'was the one who desired to pick his teeth with my bones. "'From the hot bruises on the man's face and hands, "'he'd fought his captors. "'He shouted imprecations at the demons "'with every step they took until he was chained next to me. "'Marco, it will be all right.' "'He grew silent at my attempted reassurance "'and addressed our captor. "'Are you insane, Semel? "'Did my mother pay you to kidnap her as well?' Now I had a name, one Luke had read from the list. Shut your mouth, Samael shrieked, or I'll have the demons eat your tongue. I stared at him. Samael de Roy, youngest son of the crown prince, scholar and herbalist, magical talent limited to languages. Goddess help us, he had the demons place the spells on the veterinarian Jovis. How in the names of the twelve did you manage to summon demons? "'Jealous because I can, priestess?' he hissed. "'Not particularly,' I winced as I replied. "'Bloody sword, this truth spell will be the death of me. "'Actually, I'm impressed. "'All such texts were supposedly destroyed by the temples a century ago.' "'My fawning tone hit his ego just right. "'I found a tome tucked away in the rare books section of the Capitol Library.' I translated a few phrases, realized it was a grimoire on the forbidden magics, and smuggled it out. But, Prince Samel, why bother with this child, I gestured at Marco, when you can command demons? I need the money. His boasting shifted into whining. Do you have any idea of how expensive summoning and feeding these things are? An awful suspicion grew in me. Do Marco's parents know about the demons? Of course. Samel's confidence chilled me more thoroughly than the demon's touch. Holy Mother, Marco swore. They want you to raise a demon army for them once I'm out of the way. I wanted to kick the youth for giving voice to my fears. We were both dead now. Samel slowly shook his head. I'm so sorry for both of you. I'll make this as easy as possible. He pulled a knife from the work table. My dagger. I curled and pretended to cower against the wall. I prayed there was enough slack in my chains. Prayed that the stories I heard as a child, that the demon's weaknesses were true. I had to be faster than the three demons in the room. He approached me and reached for my hair. I slammed my heels into his knees. With a sickening crunch, tendons tore and bones shattered. He screamed. My dagger slipped from his hand as he collapsed and clattered against the stone floor. I swept one of the arm chains around his throat and yanked him against my chest. The first demon, the one who wanted to taste my flesh, crouched inches from our faces. Back away or I snap his neck, I growled. It huffed before it said something to the others in their guttural language. All three edged away from us. Their actions confirmed one of the old tales. They needed the sorcerer who summoned them alive in order to remain in this plane. And if I killed a member of the royal family without benefit of a trial, I'd find my neck on the business end of another justice's sword. The problem of getting Marco and myself out of this dungeon persisted. I rolled the possibilities through my mind, a process that became more difficult by the moment for reasons that had nothing to do with Samuel's hoarse cries. With a sickening realization, I understood my situation. My head injury was worse than I originally suspected. Blood pooled inside my skull, and the growing pressure would kill me if we didn't escape soon. "'Where's the key?' I tightened and released the chain to gain his attention." "'If I tell you, you'll kill me,' he whimpered. "'Telling the idiot he was dead already wouldn't improve the situation. "'I can grant you clemency if you cooperate,' I said through clenched teeth. "'Don't bargain with him, Justice. "'From the corner of my eye, I found Marco had already picked the locks to his wrist cuffs. "'God has blessed the boy. "'He'd had the presence of mind to snatch my dagger when it fell. "'The steel would be ruined once he was finished, but I didn't care.' It was by far the least of our worries. Marco quickly released the locks on my shackles while I kept a tight hold of the chain around Samael's neck. He stayed close to me when the demons started muttering under their breath. "'I need your help to lift him,' I whispered. Marco was no dandy. He hauled the sorcerer upright, and Samael screamed at the pressure on his ruined knees. I gained my feet. Only a rush of vertigo threatened to knock me down again. Clutching the wall... "'I made my way to the work table. "'Relief swept through me "'when my fingers wrapped around the pommel of my sword. "'Feeling around the wooden surface "'produced a great many objects, "'none of which were my boots or the sword's sheath. "'We couldn't waste any more time. "'Stick to the wall,' I muttered. "'Yes, milady.' "'Marco replaced the chain with his arm "'and dragged the sorcerer, "'keeping him between us and the demons. "'Over there, I pointed at the opposing corner "'with my sword.' The stones were only cold under my right foot. My left was numb. The first demon spat an obvious insult, but he and his fellows edged around the dungeon while we made our way to the door. The instant we were through, I slammed the door shut and slid the iron bolt into place. The heavy wood shivered as the demons threw themselves against it. The barrier wouldn't last long. Somehow, we climbed the stairs and exited the front door of the manor house. We backed slowly down the drive, the young nobleman literally dragging the screaming sorcerer. My own footing became more unsure. They're coming, Marco murmured. Black shadows climbed the surrounding trees and swung through branches toward us. I'd never killed someone without an appropriate trial. A growing disquiet said Samael's death would be the only way for Marco to survive. Deep down, I acknowledged I would never be greeted by the goddess at my passing, much less make it back to Orin. ''Luke, I'm so sorry,'' I whispered. Andia, ''Luke!'' I nearly collapsed when the pounding of hoofs raced toward us from the main road. ''Marco!'' I recognized the feminine voice that shouted. The name was out of my reach. I'd sent her away, hadn't I? ''Here!'' For all our shouting, the cold shadows would reach us before Luke. I couldn't fight them off before. I couldn't let an innocent die. "'Drop him, Marco.' "'The boy complied, and the sorcerer shrieked. "'Samel de Roy, "'you have been charged with using forbidden magic "'by your own admission.' "'My hands shook. "'I wished it was rage and fear instead of my injury. "'I, Marco de Mara, "'hereby affirm the justice's account, "'having heard the confession myself. "'The ritual response of a priest of light. "'I wanted to weep with relief.' Marco was a good boy, a smart boy. I'd hoped he'd find his happiness. Luke, so many things I wanted to say to him, so many things he needed to know. A wave of frigid air hit me. Samuel Deroy, you are found guilty of using forbidden magic. The sentence is death. Wordless cries were his only answer. Marco held him down by the shoulders. I prayed the old stories were true, that demons hadn't tricked me in the dungeon. I slammed the sword point into the base of Samael's skull. Shrieks of demon outrage echoed through the woods. With muffled pops, the black shadows disappeared from this plane of existence. Hands caught me as I pitched forward over the corpse of my deadly idiot. My last thought was that I was finally free. The scent of vanilla and cinnamon twined around me. My eyes fluttered open. The dark blues and greens of a marble ceiling met my gaze. Where am I? My voice was a hoarse croak. You're in the bedroom of the Justice of Warren. Here, drink this. Familiar hands held up my head. I gratefully slipped the water. Do you have a headache? I had to think about it, since my entire head seemed to be wrapped in cotton. No. Recognition slipped into place. Luke. Good. Katerina needed to eat and sleep. The girl hasn't left your side. She's beside herself with guilt for putting you at the mercy of demons. She. It took me a moment to pull the threads of memory from the tangled skein my mind had become. I'd sent her to Nastine. She disobeyed you and went to Cam again. Luke filled in the events after I'd executed Samael and passed out. He returned to the city after he searched for me and spotted a demon watching the road. He gathered as many wardens from the temples as he could. Katerina insisted on accompanying the rescue party, which turned out to be fortunate, or unfortunate from my point of view, since she kept me alive long enough for them to return me to Orin and find a trained healer. The senior physician of Oren insisted she become his apprentice since Master Jovis had released her. Samael's death dissolved the demon's compulsion on Jovis, who had denied he'd terminated her contract willingly. Just another civil matter on the docket. Loose companions hadn't found the grimoire Samael used at the abandoned manor house. The temples of Thief and Wilding worked together and tracked the blasted thing to Lord and Lady Damara's estate. They had been captured after a brief fight between their household retainers and the temple wardens. "'And me?' I whispered. "'Technically, you're under house arrest "'for the murder of a member of the royal family. "'The Reverend Mother of Balance arrives later tonight. "'The trials will be tomorrow.'" The noise from the crowds that thronged outside of the Temple of Balance echoed in the cavernous interior until the reverend mother ordered the main doors closed. A trial for treason outside of the capital was unusual. Two on the same day was unprecedented. In such severe matters, the highest-ranking priest or priestess of each of the twelve temples of Orin sat as one. Like the Damaras, I stood in the accused box, stripped of all the accoutrements of my rank. Instead, I wore a plain gray shift, "'No hood covered my face this time. "'The whispers were equally divided "'by the Damara's attempt to seize the throne "'through the dark magic and my appearance. "'Even the wardens guarding us looked uneasy. "'I could feel Luke sitting with the rest of the spectators, "'but I didn't dare look in his direction. "'The milky white eyes of the Reverend Mother "'bore into me for a moment "'before she banged the hilt of her sword on the altar "'to begin the proceedings.' The first trial took less than a candlemark. Brother Cam stood and read the verdicts. The only thing that saved Lord Demara from a death sentence was he didn't know about the demons, and he certainly didn't know his wife had stolen the grimoire from some male. They had convinced her she was a much better overlord than the sorcerer. Lord Demara hung his head and wept quietly as the wardens escorted him from the court. Lady Demara screamed obscenities until the reverend mother ordered her taken to the back of the temple as the persons immediately wronged by the actions of the guilty i hereby order that all titles possessions and estates of the guilty minus the tied to the crown pass to marco and caterina demara she leaned back in her chair i suppose congratulations are in order I closed my eyes and sent a prayer of thanks to the 12 for watching over the two lovers. "Anthea de Love: You have been charged with treason by way of murder, specifically Lord Samile de Roy, third cousin to our beloved liege." I opened my eyes and raised my chin. I'd done what I had to to save Marco from being forced into temple life as Luke and I had been, or worse, eaten by the demons. "'I wouldn't... I couldn't... change a thing. "'Lady Justice, may I speak on behalf of the accused?' "'There was a twinge of nervousness in Marco's voice. "'Both Brother Luke and Anthea de Love "'have given their statements in this matter, Lord DeMara. "'Unlike the boys, the Reverend Mother's tone was ice-cold and steady. "'As have I, milady.' "'He crossed from the witness area to stand in front of the judges. "'If it weren't for Justice Anthea's quick thinking, "'we'd be neck-deep in another demon war. "'Surely this court can take the good of her actions into account. "'Justice should be tempered by mercy. "'Do you presume to lecture me in my own hall?' "'Everyone, including the rest of the judges' panel, "'cringed at the echoes against the marble. "'No, m'lady, I ask for clemency.' "'Orin has been without a permanent justice for a quarter of a year. "'I swear responsibility if you would appoint Justice Anthea.' "'No!' Nausea threatened. "'Surely the demons had hit Marco on the head as well. "'The gallery of spectators erupted at my outburst. "'The Reverend Mother pounded her sword pommel repeatedly for order "'before the crowd settled. "'Do you understand what you are offering, child?' "'Should she commit any further offenses, I will share in her punishment.' "'This time his voice rang out like a confident nobleman's. "'The Reverend Mother turned to me. "'Anthea de Love, you have tried to escape service to our goddess "'from the time you could use a privy by yourself. "'You should know by now. It is not that easy.' "'Gleeful Satisfaction danced in her words. "'Unless any of my colleagues have objections?' A collective murmur of agreement issued from her fellow judges. Anthea de Love, you are hereby sentenced to serve as the justice of the Temple of Balance for the city of Orin for the remainder of your natural life. Four days later, Luke and I were riding to Nastine. "'The Reverend Mother gave me a week "'to catch up on the town's caseload "'before I was required to return to Orin. "'He and I took a little-used track "'instead of the National Road. "'We had too much to discuss. "'What if we took all the money "'we can lay our hands on "'and head south to Cant?' "'I tilted my head upward, "'enjoying the caress of the summer sun. "'Luke laughed, "'a hearty sound that flushed birds "'from the surrounding foliage.' <laughs> "'You can't do that any more than I could. "'Someone will find out about us eventually,' I pointed out. "'If you take the permanent position in Oren, discovery is even more likely. <laughs> "'What makes you think someone doesn't already know?' "'His words were so soft, I barely heard them over the clomping of the horse's hooves. "'I don't understand.' Why didn't you have Katerina flogged for impersonating a priestess? His change of subject threw me off. That had nothing to do. Maybe it does. So why didn't you? It wasn't a truth spell that tugged at my heart. Maybe because I hoped someone would show us compassion someday. Then I understood. Neither of us said anything more The rest of the ride to Nestine
2: To quote Lord Eddard Stark, The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. If you would take a man's life, you owe it to him to look him into the eyes and hear his final words. And if you cannot bear to do that, then perhaps the man does not deserve to die. Sounds to me like justice prevailed in the end. And with that, this brings us to an end of our first show for 2015. Please remember that Far-Fetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 license, which means you can download the contents and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it, and be sure to give credit where credit is due. All of the copyright remains that of the authors. If you like what you hear at Far-Fetched Fables, please consider making a donation to the District of Wonders. The button is on the website. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website. Until next time, be well. Bye now.
1: This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com.